Kyler McDaniel from Fangraphs.com. And on the other line, his pre-draft medical revealed he has glaucoma. It's Eric Longenhagen. Well, that's why I have the uh, the medical marijuana exemption. You know what? That makes sense now. I'm looking at the the paperwork, but I probably should focus more on your rotator cuff. Because of my uh, glaucoma. But yeah, that would be terrible to to, to be a scout who had who suddenly had eye problems. That would be uh, that would be pretty terrible. Well, uh, as far as the government knows, you do have glaucoma. I actually no, I don't have a medical card. I actually am at like higher risk for glaucoma. When I was younger, I had uh, big cones, like oversized cones, uh, in the back of my eye that had to be like watched um, for a while until like I was fully grown. Um, and it's not really an issue anymore. I, I guess I haven't been to the eye doctor in a while now, but it, it wasn't an issue last time I was there. You do know it's all about the cones, right? Uh, yes. What's your, do you have a favorite kind of cone? I prefer waffle. Uh, no, it's a par- it's a Parks and Rec reference. I guess you didn't get that one. And then soccer. I like the like the little flat uh, soccer cones. On Parks and Rec, uh, Adam Scott's character makes a like more comp- convoluted version of Settlers of Catan called Cones of Dunshire. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and every yeah, time yeah. somebody goes like, how do you play? He goes, just remember, it's all about the cones. That that show. <laughs> yeah, it is, it, is, it is a good television show. All right, so we have wasted 90 seconds of what will be a long podcast. Our goal, as I think we've said in, in past shows, is to go through the first two days of the draft, although primarily the first day. We're not going to spend a bunch of time on fifth and sixth rounders. Uh, spending a couple minutes per team and keeping it in like a relatively tight... Uh, hour or so, and then we'll throw some uh, timestamps on it. So if you just want to hear about one team for like the two to three minutes, or if your team didn't have very many picks, maybe the one minute. If you just want to hear that, you can do it. Uh, I guess all we need is your download. We don't care if you listen to all of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Is there anything else they need to know? Nope. All right, we're going to go through the uh, MLB draft tracker in the order they have, which is alphabetical by city name. So we're going to start with the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is Eric's neck of the woods, and they had a whole mess of picks. So, Eric, what do you got? Right, well, we correctly mocked Corbin Carroll there at 16. I just think he was good value. He's a well-rounded high school center fielder who hit all last summer. Uh, he can run, he can throw, he plays good defense. I thought that was a good pick. Uh, Blake Walston, we like mocked to the D-backs as well, but not till I think, 33 or 34. Lefty with a breaking ball and a lot of physical projection. Uh, pop-up guy from this spring. Brendan Malone is like a more prototypical build, power, uh, high school arm at IMG Academy in Florida. They took him and draft-eligible sophomore Dre Jameson back-to-back at 33 and 34. Uh, Malone is just, you know, what they look like, arm strength, breaking ball, that stuff. Jameson is funky, over-the-top slots. Smaller guy. Uh, yeah. Um, multiple good breaking balls. Is, has shown a good changeup as well. Uh, multi-inning relief type, uh, in our opinion. And then they that started a run on college pitching. Ryan Nelson, reliever at Oregon, uh, throws really hard, vertical action on his breaking ball. That's actually a common thread with all the college arms that they took on day one. Uh, Tommy Henry, the lefty from Michigan, his uh, velocity's been up and down, uh, but he's another like vertical spin axis type guy. And then they took Dominic Fletcher, uh, with their final pick on day one, to, uh, you know Arkansas outfielder probably in the corner. Uh, good feel for all fields contact, a little bit over aggressive at the plate. Really more of a tweener profile probably. Like realistically, he's a bench outfielder. Um, did anything stand out to you on day two from D-backs? Uh, they took Tristan English uh, with their third round pick, who's very local to me at Georgia Tech. Uh, 
I kind of liked him more as a college player, that it's plus power, but he's a little too aggressive. Uh, he's a decent pitcher with sort of solid average stuff, but he's, uh, I believe, had a Tommy John, and he's 22. So I think he might have just been a money saver that they liked, uh, had him listed as a hitter. Um, and then Connor Grammis is a guy that we both saw uh, huge stuff, but he's almost 22 conversion guy, long arm action, below average command. It's like relief only, but it like might be two sevens in relief. Uh, so like a pretty yeah. good gamble in the fifth round. And then uh, Saul Frank, the lefty from Indiana in the sixth, the uh, big breaking ball, uh, about an average fastball could be a useful uh, back end type guy. And I'll just add Glenn Allen Hill, their fourth rounder. Uh, not really a clear defensive fit, but it's a switch hitting something with speed and and above average bat speed. Uh, developmental project for certain. And I think uh, taking a step back, uh, we thought they would go sort of upside high school first couple picks and then mix in sort of college, which is what they did. Yep. And you pointed out, I think the other sort of trend here is that they uh, they went for sort of vertical slot uh, guys that either throw hard or would throw hard. All right, time for the next team. I didn't know we'd have a bell. Uh, the Braves. So uh, I'll lead on this one. Uh, there were a lot of thoughts from inside the industry that they did not like this haul for the Braves. Uh, Langoliers, we thought, made sense at the first pick. Uh, it wasn't like a – I mean, it's not a reach when you're taking one of the top 15 guys at ninth. Um, plus defender, plus arm, uh, chance to be an average offensive guy. Hasn't really done it that much. Is coming off a handmate, but was hot lately. I think the Braves think that he will continue down that road of being close to average offensively, so they think they're getting a strong everyday guy. Um, Braden Shoemaker was their second pick. We're not nuts about him. We think there's no pluses. We think the swing needs a little bit of an adjustment. There's not much power, but on the other hand, it's a left-handed bat that can play all three infield position. Well, I guess all four. He can play first base also. Uh, hit for three years in the SEC. Um, and it's it's probably like a, a somewhere just south of a DJ LeMahieu type. So, you know, good player. Uh, not going to say it's a bad player. We'd probably take him a little bit lower. Uh, and then, Eric, what do you got on Bo Phillip? Because that one seems to also have been a little uh, controversial. Yeah, so Bo Phillip was at a junior college last year. Northern California uh, Junior College. Right. Then there was a whole bunch of middle infield playing time at Oregon State, not just because Madrigal and Caden Grenier – were drafted last year, but because, like, Jace easily signed out of high school. Like, a bunch of random things happened. Opened up the door for playing time for Phillip. Uh, he's an infield fit with above-average bat speed, but probably needs to be a swing changer. Um, so it was – I think it's an interesting speculative pick, but he wasn't – you know, I saw Oregon State a bunch this year. I texted some Northwest area scouts, and, you know, second round was a little rich for this type of guy, but he is an interesting player. Uh, finishing up, uh, Casey Kalich in the fourth, Darius Vines in the seventh, Ricky DeVito in the eighth. They're all power arms we think end up in relief. Uh, then Michael Harris in the third, interesting two-way Georgia high school guy. Probably better on the mound, was used a little irregularly, and I had heard some scouts think that there might be three above-average pitches there when he goes full-time to pitching with sort of a pro situation. And then taking a step back, uh, they obviously have changed the approach a little bit since the uh, – the sort of uh, Brian Bridges-led group that obviously I was a part of at some point uh, went with three high or three college guys up top. Uh, it seems to be leaning a little more toward the uh, model-type teams, although there's various kinds of model teams we've talked about. This seems to be somewhere on that um, spectrum, whereas they did not used to be on that spectrum. So it's a bit of a shift. We don't love the picks, but these players could all very well beat our expectations and be good. Next team, Baltimore. Eric, you take them. Yeah, you got the best guy at one. Um, Good job by them. I like the Gunnar Henderson pick at two. Uh, I just think that investing in a young infielder with some thump is is safer than taking like a prep arm there. Uh, 
uh, even though that is what I feel like teams who are in these hard rebuilds tend to do because that's just typically what spills over into the second round. Uh, Kyle Stowers in the second comp round is a very – it's like that modern Dodgers. He swings like Jock Peterson and Cody Bellinger. Like it is that type of swing. Uh, predictably, he has some strikeout issues in college, but he's a sneaky good defender in center field. I think he might stay there, so there's some room to breathe on the swing and miss stuff. Uh, then they took Zach Watson, the LSU outfielder, who, like a lot of LSU outfielders, is re- realistically a bench, like fourth outfield type. Uh, Joey Ortiz in the fourth round. His numbers are crazy, uh, but he plays at altitude in New Mexico State, and everyone's numbers are crazy. Really, he is a plus defensive shortstop. That strikes me like the same way the um, oh, who was the who was the main shortstop that Houston drafted? Um, oh. Uh, Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena, yeah, same type of thing. Strong numbers, excellent shortstop defender. Uh, then Daryl Hernandez is an El Paso shortstop. It's you know like six one one seventy, good build, um, good bat speed. It's a physical projection shortstop. He's raw. Uh, and then Maverick Hanley is a like walk and contact oriented catcher who's really athletic defensively, but has a below average arm. Yeah, and to then do like the step back here, obviously they went uh, all hitters in the first eight picks, and only two of them were high school guys. Uh, I think sometimes we talk about models in a way where it's uh, discounting um, traditional scouting and like sort of a paint-by-numbers approach. The, I mean, obviously uh, Baltimore's running some version of a model with Elias and Sig coming from Houston. I really like this group. I think a bunch of scouts could have ended up with this group, and I think they probably said we don't have a lot of hitters in the system. Let's go get some hitters. I think Zach Watson in the third round is a good sort of money saver. Like seven runner could give you some defensive value. Joseph Ortiz gives you some defensive value. Maverick Hanley gives you some. Hernandez is a you know a nice bet. We said we think Hunterson's a nice bet. Uh, I really like what they did here, and like you said, I think there's a lot of like lowest common denominator, like college guy with that performs, or high school guy that shows you a good pitch or two here or there, and I, that doesn't always feel like it's the right choice, and I feel like what they did here, like, you know, I think it's much closer to what we would do if we were doing this. Uh, yep, and I'm hitting the bell, but it's not working, so let's move on. Uh, Boston. So, uh, I also like what they did here. Uh, they didn't have their first pick until 43, so you'd like to think, hey... Can we be creative, kind of get the amount of talent we'd get in a normal year? And taking Noah Song in the fourth round, I think, is one way to do that. We think he's a comp to second-round talent that has the Navy commitment. Uh, It sounds like it'll be 18 to 24 months that he'll be delayed, which means he'll still get there quicker than a high school pitcher would. There's also, I guess, some non-zero chance that it's little to no service, which I think we'll probably hear more about in the coming days. Uh, The other pick's Cam Cannon. We liked right in that area at Arizona, a college hitter that could be a swing change guy to unlock even more. Matthew Lugo, we really liked and slid even further than we thought he would. Uh, Zephyr John, a good uh, power arm out of Kansas. Probably relief, but we'll see if they can fix some things. Uh, and, yeah, and then some more uh, some more sort of college guys, performers uh, that make sense in the 6 to 10 range. So I think they, uh, they definitely did better than I would have expected. Yeah, so uh, Cameron Cannon, we mocked to them with uh, at pick 43. He's got two years of really strong statistical performance, even though he's got a very conservative swing. Uh, can't play shortstop, but probably going to fit on the infield somewhere. And so he's a, he's a swing change candidate, uh, strong pick there. And then, yeah, I guess we were probably just a little bit heavy on Lugo. We we had him going in the comp round uh, and on our board a little bit higher than that. Uh, the Noah Song stuff is interesting. So, like, very quickly the background on this is for a while the service academy athletes had a mandated amount of service. 
Then under President Obama, that was altered so that they could apply for an exemption to pursue professional sports, but they had to like promote the service academies while they did that. Uh, under Trump, that went away. And then there are some other loopholes that they, that individuals can get through, like training for the Olympics and stuff that enables them to play. Um, but Song does not really – he doesn't fit that because of the timing of his draft year in the Olympics. Like it's not a great fit. So – uh, President Trump mentioned lately that he might overturn that the the rule that he reinstated, um, and so like if that happens and Song can be in pro ball right away, then then he's a steal in the fourth round. I thought you were mainly pushing the bell. Did you bell yourself while you were talking? Yes. Interesting. All right. Uh, we, move on to the the two, we got the two. We got over two minutes, and so I hit it. Uh, move to the Cubs next. Uh, they've done this in in past years with their. Um, They'll go with not necessarily like boring or low upside or under slot guys, but just sort of you know not flashy names up top, and then they'll overpay high school guys later. Uh, they got Ethan Hearn in the sixth round, uh, who we had up pretty high in the top 100. Uh, Tyler Schlaffer in the ninth, the guy that we had heard that some teams liked um, as an overpay out of high school, and then DJ Hers in the eighth round, who we heard some rumors would at one point in the spring look, looks like he was going to go in about the third round. So I think those three guys are probably a good bit over Hearn, probably the most. Um, and they took college guys with the first five picks for, you know, Jensen might be a little under there. Strumpf is probably about slot. We like him. Jensen obviously is very unique with his fastball um, profile. Strumpf is another guy that if you can kind of tweak that swing just enough, there might be a strong everyday guy. Um, and then McAveen, Clark, and Bergman are some college arms I think make some sense. McAveen's been up to 100 and sort of surging of late. Uh, Bergman has a chance to start. Uh, Clark's just a giant dude that uh, has been pretty good this year. Yeah, we tied Schlaffer to the Cubs in his like blurb on the board, oh. uh, but we had it more four to six, which is probably what I expect the money to be. Yes, uh, even though he went in the ninth round, he's a fairly projectable Midwest high school arm with some like feel for spin and arm speed. Uh, David John Hers is like a long arm. His his uh, arm action is like a tilt a whirl, like very long, almost no bend at the elbow. Um, but he can spin a breaking ball and throws pretty hard. Um, and then, yeah, you you touched on it. Like, there were a bunch of college pitchers before that. And, yes, McAveen was up to 100 at regionals. And then he got tossed from a game and has been suspended. Strumpf was interesting. He was on deck when he was drafted and then hit a three-run homer, uh, like, you know, a few seconds after uh, he was picked. So that was um, – a nice little situation, but also maybe a microcosm of why the timing of the draft and uh, like regionals and stuff is not is not perfect and might need to change. And I know Commissioner Manfred mentioned it uh, on the broadcast that they might want to tweak it and maybe do the draft like in Omaha, which I think would be pretty cool. You overshot your own bell. All right, I'm going to the White Sox. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, Andrew Vaughn sort of like is long rumored and then not rumored and then rumored again. Sort of fits what they've done in the past, which seem to be the heir apparent to Jose Abreu. Probably moves quickly. Might be 7-hit-7 seven seven power. Yada, yada. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, we are rumors, especially if they went under at that first pick, they wanted to go over with a high upside prep arm with the second pick. They probably aren't going under if they are. It's just by a little bit with Vaughn. Uh, but Thompson is a high upside prep pick. I think he's a tier beneath the guys we thought they that they were shooting for with that pick. Uh, been a little inconsistent, but he was probably right in that range before the season. And didn't necessarily, like, have a bad season. He just didn't take the step forward or show the consistent, like, high end of himself. Um, when I saw him, it was, you know, sort of 50, maybe 55 stuff. But at times, you'll see 60 or even better out of him. So there's definitely plenty of, uh, of ceiling left there. And then, speaking of ceiling, Andrew Dahlquist, the third pick. 
we've heard is going to be uh, $2 million, which is about uh, triple what the slot is there. So there's probably going to be, need to be some savings at other picks to pay for him. Uh, it's been up to 96. Uh, we'll give you the average to above stuff, kind of pop this spring. James Beard, their fourth-round pick, I've been told, is a completely off-the-scale 90 runner. Some people think there's, like, elements of Billy Hamilton here. And we heard he was going to go somewhere in that third- to fourth-round range. But he didn't even make the East Coast Pro team last uh, summer for that area, which was not a great team, and faces apparently, like, 1A terrible competition in Mississippi. So it's, like, it's going to – you're going to see the word Sushi Ra in his report this offseason. Uh, that's interesting. They did something similar with Bryce Bush last year. It was sort of the same thing. Like the high school competition he faced was not good, but there were big tools. Uh, he performed last summer. I want to say it's not been great uh, so far this year, but, um, but yeah, excited to see Beard in the AZL. Uh, their fifth rounder, Dan Metzdorf, a senior lefty from Boston College, was the first guy taken who was not on the board. Uh, it's like a low three quarters command lefty with fringe velo and like a sweeping two plane slider. It's the kind uh, of guy we thought we would miss, like the 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 late right. charging generic senior that somebody needed to save money with. So they were fine with that. I think we thought it was going to be in the fourth round. So the fact that it was in the fifth makes me feel like just a little bit better about it. Yeah, they took all seniors after that. Yep, makes sense given how we think those prices are going to go. Uh, why don't you take Cincinnati? So Cincinnati took Lodolo at seven. Uh, I think all of, at least like the publications that I saw, had the first seven picks mocked correctly. Uh, and everyone had the first eight except for us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Lodolo at seven I think is fine. Um, Three-pitch lefty, the changeup will be the best some days. The curveball will be the best on others. Uh, Reese Hines, their second-round pick, is you know he was he's listed as a shortstop, but realistically he's third base, first base. He could be Jake Gatewood, or it could be Aaron Judge. Like we don't know. It is just that type of body with huge power uh, and swing and miss issues. He was not good against elite competition last summer, uh, so high risk pick there. Tyler Callahan in the third round I thought was great value. You know it's the second year in a row the Reds have gotten really excellent value uh, on a high school or a little later than we thought. The high scorer would go. It was Mike Ciani last year. This year it was Callahan, who I thought uh, was going to go in the comp round. And they took Yvonne Johnson uh, the, from Chipola College in Florida. It's a switch hitting second baseman with power. Uh, field to hit is a little bit lacking. Uh, field for defense is a little bit lacking. But if you can get him to, to stay uh, at second base, then like a switch hitter with some pop, even if the quality of contact is just mixed, uh, is pretty interesting. And then some of the later guys uh, that I know about, Quinn Cotton at Grand Canyon had a really bad year, was in like the second and third round mix uh, when the season started. But the swings never quite dialed in and uh, was not posting the same run times that he was last year. So it's like a corner-only profile with swing issues all of a sudden. Uh, so he plummeted. And then Eric Yang, the catcher at UC Santa Barbara, like catchers who perform as well as he has, even in a small conference, typically do pretty well. Uh, so it's just like it seems like a, a pretty strong analytics find in this in the seventh round. Is just even if it's just an org guy who uh, has the upside of like a third catcher, like a depth catcher who's on the forty man. I think it's pretty solid. Uh, yeah, and T.J. Hopkins in the ninth, uh, senior signed of South Carolina, uh, had a chance to go pretty high, like maybe fourth or fifth round last year. Uh, had some injuries he worked through. Still has like above average power and plus speed. Is like kind of an interesting guy if you can kind of put it together. So he's yeah. you know probably got a year or two to sort of see if something clicks there. And then the sixth round, Graham Ashcraft was up to I believe ninety eight out of high school. 
uh, had Tommy John at Mississippi State as a freshman, transferred to UAB. Apparently this year his sort of spin rates and breaking ball have all been sort of track man friendly. And then his command and stamina and all these things sort of backed up. He might have gone in the third or fourth round earlier in the spring. So they scooped him up in the sixth. It's probably relief only two pitches below command and some medical stuff in the past. But uh, there's some upside there in power arm in the sixth, which sort of fits what the uh, the Reds have done under this regime. I'll also add on resigns. I think he'll end up in right field if I had to guess. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland, I'll kick this one off. Uh, Spino at 24. I think we both think he's an interesting guy that is, I think, more like a college pitcher than a high school pitcher in the same way that uh, we compared, like, Kalenic and Gorman last year to college bats or Beatty this year to a college bat, uh, mm-hmm. both because of their age and the amount of information we have and also sort of how polished they are. Uh, I think Espino will be seen as, like, a two-to-five-inning type pitcher that, like, knows how to get the most out of his weapons and will show you plus stuff. You'd hope to see this sort of 70-80 fastball you've seen in the past, but even if it's just... 60s that he can figure out how to have five command and he can throw three or four innings at a time that'll be worth this pick and so he's him being so unique i think makes the most sense with the progressive player development team that also uh will probably be open to using him in progressive ways so i think this is a good spot for espino uh yordi valdez is one of our uh one of our second round picks that we got in the mock um obviously he fits what we've said uh over the years in their model a a young sort of up the middle uh, margin for error tools guy uh, popped up this spring. Sounds like he is a plus defender, average to above runner, has some upside at the plate. Some people don't think he's that different than Kyron Paris, who I think went about 15 picks ahead of him. Um, but I think both have some, some work to do offensively, but he's also a year younger than most of the other high school kids, so he's got plenty of time to do it. And then on the later picks, I think the guy that I like the most is Christian Cairo, who some scouts described as the guy they most like to watch play. He's a player similar to like a uh, Christian Arroyo, like a sort of a bat first good enough infielder, second or third base, son of Miguel Cairo, so you can kind of assume he's got a good feel for the game. Uh, and the reason they like watching him is he just like plays, you know, just sort of like one of those 80 makeup, hair on fire, like just really cares about the game kind of guys. And I would bet, I think we ended up with him in our top 100. I would bet he outplays this fourth round uh, spot where he was taken. Uh, yeah, I like Christian Cairo too. Joseph Naranjo, their third round pick, is a SoCal first baseman. Uh, he's undersized. It's like six foot mature body, but really hit against SoCal pitching during the spring. He's a Fullerton commit, uh, and teams teams liked him, but weren't totally sure that he was signable away from Fullerton for what this type of profile typically uh, like would would um, like what teams want to spend on an undersized first baseman. Uh, and yeah, we talk about the Cleveland's model with the age. Um, and a bunch of 17-year-olds here, including Jordan Brown in the sixth round, who was born in September of 01, uh, which is – he's younger by a month compared to Jordi Valdez. So, like, a bunch of 17-year-olds again. Uh, Colorado, uh, I think interesting pick with Michael Toglia, who I think we thought would go at this, this pick 23 or even a little bit higher entering the year. He then had a terrible start to the year. People were telling us he'd go late second. And then as the year came on, he was better in conference play. We're hearing tons of heats going back in to see him again, and that he was going to sneak into the late first comp round. He ends up going 23rd. Uh, it's got a chance to be five hits, six power, six defense. Uh, I think pretty interesting college guy, also young for the class. So analytics friendly, and I think if he didn't have that uh, that terrible start to the spring in the non-conference schedule, he might have gone 10 picks higher than this because uh, he's a pretty intriguing guy to a bunch of different sorts of teams. Uh, Aaron Chuck in the second round we also really like. Uh, he's another candidate for a swing change that has chance to be an above-to-plus defender with an above-to-plus arm at third base, chance to catch, also pitches, although he probably won't pro ball. 
Uh, and he's got some power and some head ability and a decent approach. It's just one of those sort of like line drive ground balls opposite way. Um, need, need to sort of get with the PD department and see if they can turn that around because he's almost 22, so he doesn't have forever. Um, rest of the group, uh, we know that they sort of exclusively take sinker ballers. Carl Kaufman, one of the better sinker ballers in the draft in terms of just sort of sinker slider, getting outs, back end guy. A little on the generic side, but you know those guys make the big leagues. And then uh, I would say Jacob Wallace and Royal Etheridge both had. Uh, some buzz in the third and fifth round out of Connecticut and Ole Miss, uh, respectively. Wallace, I saw in the conference tournament, uh, three to seven, and he didn't throw anything other than a fast, I guess it would be a sinker. Uh, but in warm-ups, both his breaking ball and his changeup looked like they were above average. But it might be 30 command, so if they can get that one under control, that would be pretty interesting. And Etheridge at times was two to five um, with plus sink out of the bullpen in Ole Miss, one of those projection guys out of high school, and the projection came like in the last two months, basically. Colorado always seems to take these types of arms in the middle rounds like they've taken a lot of relief only guys ben bowden types uh tommy doyle robert tyler i think was was heading that way yeah robert tyler's in yeah so i don't know and then you know they end up with like the will gaddis uh mitch kilkenny types too which is like will etheridge to a t i think brenton doyle the shepherd university outfielder uh is an interesting like physicality body like speed power uh small school sleeper but and then jared horn in the seventh round i thought was good value um but uh, yeah the middle rounds of of their day um two i was just lukewarm on and then the the eighth rounder costi shock out of arkansas is one of those like real long loose low slot mid 90s guys with a breaking ball that if i don't know feels like he might have a, a role in the big leagues if he can sort of stay healthy they talk yeah, go ahead. I you know yeah, Riley Green. Uh, we like Riley Green. Body was better this spring. It was a concern of mine coming off of last summer. I just thought it was you know he was a little soft, a little bit uh, like the the gate running was odd. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but you know I didn't like it. Like all things equal, I'd rather have the the elegant uh, like athlete. Nick Quintana in the second round, uh, good defensive third baseman with power. Swing is a little bit grooved. That's right around the area that um, four corner scouts were talking about him, uh, and then some of the day th- day two stuff. Ryan Kreidler, the UCLA uh, infielder, uh, I don't really like very much. He performed in a large conference, but I, I think it's like below tools across the board. Cooper Johnson, uh, the sixth round catcher out of Ole Miss, was famous in high school, like very advanced defensive catcher while in high school. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot in college offensively, but still uh, can can really catch. Zach Hess, seventh rounder out of LSU, has a relief future. And then uh, the ninth and tenth rounders, Austin Bergner was also famous in high school. Uh, was was totally nasty at times, but the delivery was weird. Stuff backed up in college. Uh, and then Jake Holton is a right right uh, first base, uh, like you know, power power batter they took in the tenth round out of Creighton which uh, produces a lot of, like, sleepers who get picked on day two and end up being something. So watch Jake Holton. The uh, two guys uh, I would point out here would be seventh-rounder Zach Hess, who at times, I guess, late in high school and early in college, would be 4-7 to seven with a plus breaking ball, and then was put in a starting role at LSU. The stuff sort of slowly got worse because I don't think that best suits him, but I think it just best suited the team, where he was, I think, 90-92 with sort of average stuff in French command, got kicked to the bullpen, uh, I think if you can get him back to that bullpen self, uh, I think he's a guy that gets on the 40 man, gets a chance to contribute. Eighth rounder at Arkansas, Jack Kenley is a guy that I really like that I saw late in the spring. 
uh, and at the conference tournament, I think probably should have gone third or fourth round. Um, so I'm curious to see how he does in Pro Bowl. He's another guy that probably needs a bit of a swing adjustment because the guy that he currently is is like a five runner, five defender at second, below average power, and one year of uh, performance. But I think uh, with the right PD group, I think he can tap into much more than that. We will see if that happens in Detroit. Yep, that's two. That's two minutes. I'll I'll stop. I won't pound on the bell. Moving on to Houston, uh, we liked Corey Lee kind of all spring and kind of slowly moved him up as he kept performing, and then I think we shoved him up into the 40s uh, last minute there, which is right about where Houston took him, um, which, uh, you know, a lot of times you see a, a catcher getting drafted higher than most people have him, and you think he got overdrafted because people need catching, but there's only like 12 spots higher than we had him. So, uh, you know, above average power, chance to catch, just hit some. Uh, I guess not... Not amazingly different than like Langoliers at the plate in that it's a chance to be an average offensive guy, but given how catchers are, it's probably going to be somewhere below. But obviously Langoliers is a much better catcher. Um, Greg Kessinger in the second round, I remember I had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago that I should move him up, and I said, why? I just saw him. I didn't think he was, you know, just okay. Uh, and they were like, oh, Connor Kaiser out of Vanderbilt went in the third round to Pittsburgh. This guy's basically the same guy. And it's true. Uh, he's gotten bigger. He's not quite as good defensively as he was in high school. He's a plus defender in high school. Still very strong at shortstop. Hasn't really produced uh, much with the bat, but there are some sort of hitting tools there. And so when you look at Houston, one of the more progressive PD groups that I think tries some different stuff, it'll be interesting to see if they can figure out a way to squeeze some offense out of there. So obviously in the second round, that could be a pretty good pick. Jordan Brewer is another similar type, uh, even bigger tools, uh, came on late. Another guy that hasn't quite put it all together to play has even bigger tools than Kessinger and is another guy that if the PD group can figure out how to dial everything in there, I mean, that guy, I don't know. That all comes together, and you redo the draft. He definitely goes in the top 20 or 30 picks. So that could be a good value. Um, on some of the other ones, I like Magic Barefoot, the sixth-rounder Campbell, as a hit-first guy that has sort of sneaky pop, is also decent on the mound. I don't know if they're going to do that in pro ball, but um, he's interesting there. Hunter Brown was a pop-up D2 guy at Wayne State. He's probably a reliever. Colin Barber, a pop-up high school guy in Northern California. It's a big runner uh, with just an okay swing that, again, if you can get the PD guys to – squeeze a little more out of it offensively, there's some upside in the profile. Moving on to Kansas City, they got Bobby Wood Jr. at two. Obviously really like that pick. Uh, you listed his strengths as everything on the day one review? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just, I don't know, whatever. It was 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> we talked enough about Bobby Wood. He can really play. Brady McConnell in round two, uh, I get it. Like, if you think he can play shortstop, there's undoubtedly, like, plus bat speed there. He's, he's got power. Uh, I think you and I are both just think he's like a three bat, um, and it doesn't matter. But I get like the positional fit and the tools and all that stuff. It makes it pretty interesting. Uh, Alec Marsh in the second comp round out of ASU. Philo was down a little bit later in the year, like more 91, 92 than threes and fours. But when he finds his breaking balls, like when he's locating them, he's really good. Uh, and you know it's he's on par with what they got uh, in this area last year, like the Chris Bubik types. Uh, Grant Gambrell in the third round out of Oregon State. Uh, it's another like low to mid nineties with a good breaking ball. College righty. He's had some injury issues that pushed him down. Same is true for Michael Massey, the middle infielder from Illinois, who they took in the fourth round. She's like uh, has some power, but had a back injury this year that limited his performance. That's why he fell. Then their fifth rounder, John Rave from Illinois State. We have, you know, a 35-plus on. Dante Biase, their sixth rounder from Penn State, had good numbers in the Big Ten. Noah Murdoch, their seventh rounder from Virginia, is a sinker baller. 
you've probably seen Drew Parrish and can speak to that more than I can. It was more French stuff, uh, high school and early in college. It became closer to sort of average stuff uh, in recent weeks. And so if you, but he's, you know, not the biggest guy in the world at 5'11", 200. So if you think the stuff sort of continues the direction it's gone lately, uh, I think he probably would have gone closer to the fifth round. But it's just a really limited track record of, of having any sort of impact with it. So that could, that could be a nice buy low if it continues in that direction. Uh, moving on to the Angels. Uh, Will Wilson is a guy that we really liked. Uh, he was young for the class. He performed multiple positions. Makeup guy. Might be able to catch. Has a sort of ready-made for pro ball swing that lifts it. Doesn't mind if he strikes out, but also doesn't strike out that much. Uh, he's just, I don't know, I think he's the kind of guy like that Marwin Gonzalez or Ben Zobris type. Not the player exactly, but that sort of role where he's a five, but you can put him in a bunch of places. And so championship teams have guys like that, I think, in a number of different ways. Uh, Kyron Paris, second-round pick we've talked about. I think him and Jordi Valdez are roughly similar. as, uh, But Paris, I think, is a better athlete, better runner, uh, not quite as polished um, defensively, but then probably a little further ahead with the bat and probably has a little higher upside and also super young. So lots to dream on there. We heard some rumors Paris was in the mix for them in the first round, and I think they probably figured out they could just get him in the second round. Yeah. Um, Eric Rivera in the fourth round. Uh, it sounds like they were announced as a two-way guy. Early in the showcase circuit, it was above average, maybe even plus raw power from the left side, but didn't really hit in the games. But it was like pretty good body, pretty good athlete, and they put him on the mound. He'd run into the mid-90s, show you three decent pitches, pretty good arm action. So he's intriguing both ways, but I think we both prefer him as a pitcher. Garrett Stallings, sort of an average-ish stuff, pitchability guy in the SEC that really succeeded. Zach Peak, a bigger stuff guy from Winthrop, might fit more in relief, but you'll probably start him as a starter. Davis Daniel, a 22-year-old uh, with TJ but uh, from Auburn, but it's been in the mid-90s with a decent breaking ball. Burnovich, a guy with a plus breaking ball out of Elon uh, that's probably a reliever but performed on a good staff there. Uh, and Lingenfelter, a guy that's been in the mid-90s basically his uh, last four or five years and put it together this year. We actually were sort of throwing strikes. But uh, in the third round, they had Kokanowitz, which, Eric, you saw this spring. So what did you have on him? Yeah. Uh, Jack Kohanowitz, big body, like 6'6", pretty physically mature, high school righty from the Philly area. He's UVA but signable. Uh, the velo did not come this spring as I hoped it would when I saw him last summer. He was basically 88-92 the whole run. Uh, but the feel for the secondaries, both of them, like he's got uncommonly good change-up feel for a northeast righty. Um, and the breaking ball is good too. So, you know, just good three-pitch, uh, big body, like prototype, uh, high school arm, just not as much velo as you'd like, uh, which is why he's in that tier beneath the uh, more famous prep arms who went in like the comp round. And I heard the signability there was a uh, 1.5, which I think they should probably be able to do with that pick. Yeah, with enough, they went all college pitching basically on on uh, day two, like after Rivera. So I I feel like they probably get that done. Uh, moving on to the Dodgers, uh, one of the guys that I think benefited the most from our last rankings update was Cody Hosey, the first round pick. Uh, out of Tulane, uh, you can read the report, but really interesting guy, has a chance to be above average offensive guy, average at third base, good body, strong dude, uh, just sort of emerged late. Uh, Michael Bush at 31 is a good value. I think we had some thought he might go in the middle of the first round, even as recently as a couple weeks ago. Um, and they announced him as a second baseman, which he played a handful of games there on the Cape. He is a average first baseman below in the outfield corner, but I think if you start shifting around him and kind of treat him like a, another Max Muncy, I think he could be an interesting sort of multi-positional guy uh, that you just sort of use the bat and kind of platoon moving around. Again, the kind of player that championship teams have. Um, Jimmy Lewis, we heard some medical stuff late on him. I'm kind of curious what that'll end up being. 
but we thought he might go in the 30s or 40s. The Dodgers scoop him up to 78. Obviously, not as concerned about the medical stuff. Uh, really liked him as a prospect. He's on the same high school team as Brett Beatty, and it's sort of all the all the stuff you want to see: six six two oh five, low 90s, heavy sink, good feel, three pitches, can already spin it. Uh, Pepio in the third round, very trackman friendly, sort of pop up guy, and Butler. Kind of tailed off a little bit down the stretch, uh, but early on looked like he was, you know, possibly second or comp round. So nice find in the third. Um, and then Oxenbein, it was Aaron Oxenbein, Eastern Kentucky, fifth-year senior, putting up huge numbers in relief into the mid-90s. It's kind of an interesting guy. If he can move quickly, might find him way, his way onto a prospect list. Uh, Fourth-rounder Brandon Lewis out of UC Irvine. Third base, first base, He this is a kid who was, like, pushing three bills. Uh, coming out of high school, lost a bunch of weight out of junior college and went to Irvine for just one year. So he's like young for the class uh, because of the junior college stuff. Um, he was like a 20-year-old college-eligible player uh, with one year of strong performance. We've seen the Dodgers do stuff like this before, where uh, we, but most often with pitchers, where like there's not a long track record. Guys kind of fly under the radar, but they find... You know, they just make strong visual evaluations. And so Lewis, his power and arm strength, uh, and now that the body's better, like he's got an increased chance of staying uh, at third base. And then uh, Jack Little, their fifth rounder, is a pure reliever out of Stanford. It's like low slot, righty, up to 94 uh, with three pitches but below command. Uh, moving on to the Marlins, uh, I think they might have been the surprise of all the drafts that – we just immediately liked their first three guys that they took on day one. And, you know, it's a new group. Uh, things haven't gone perfectly there, but these are all three players we like. So I, I guess we let the players speak for themselves, and we like the players. Um, as far as who they took, obviously, Blade, uh We have third on the board, even ahead of Vaughn. Um, chance for 55 bats, 60 power, average to above in right field. Has had that sort of slow ascent to what he is now. Um yeah, it's easy to imagine him being a two to four win player for multiple years, which I think is exactly what the Marlins need with a not good big league team and a system full of boomer bust guys that haven't quite come through yet. Uh, Cameron Meisner, their second pick, is a little bit more of that boomer bust type, but it is all tied to his swing and his timing and his toe tap, so it seems fixable. Um, even though he basically has never succeeded uh, with scouts watching him against high end competition, but he has insane tools. Where it's like it's not quite Aaron Judge level, but like he could be really good. Like it's not Judge, it's not Gallo, but I think it's like just below that if it all comes together for him. Uh, and then the third pick of that first day was Nassim Nunez, a high school shortstop in Georgia, uh, who I described as like a a low end version of Francisco Lindor. It's like fifty five to sixty across the board, except for the power. Smaller guy, real twitchy, good athlete, uh, defender, can run, performs, contact. Kind of gives you everything you want in that sort of contact-oriented shortstop. Uh, what else did you see in that group, Eric? Uh, Evan Fitterer, the fifth-rounder, prep righty from Southern California, is like 90-92 with a good breaking ball and projectable frame. Uh, MD Johnson, the sixth-rounder, he'll be a senior sign. He was like, you know, he was a memeable high school player, you, know, you and I saw him at Area Coats. He was homeschooled and did this thing when before he warmed up where he like takes a running sprint toward the catcher and then you know fires a max effort bolt. Uh, Kevin, you know, like, Kevin Gaussman did that in college and would hit like one oh one like often. It was the right. first time I'd seen it before. Um, so he's weird, but ultimately like it's a senior sign who has a chance to be a reliever. Uh, and then they took like the the right state outfielder uh, Peyton Burdick who can run. Um, 
And Tevin Mitchell, UC Santa Barbara right fielder, is another senior sign. You know, it just seems like I, I really love Nunez. Like that's the guy from uh, this class that I'm that is my favorite to watch play. Like maybe among the entire class. Yeah, there was a rumor that Meisner uh, may be overslot, and then you look at all the picks after those first three that we liked are all seniors. So, um, other than Fitterer, so it sounds like they might have uh, might be doing a lot of saving and then spending over. Uh, if we had to project the signability for those guys, that'd be interesting if they bought him down to thirty-five because we had him sort of in the mix in the late first a lot. And some teams were right ahead of that we thought we were going to take him that did not. So yeah, that that would make sense. Uh, next team is Milwaukee. Uh, they took Ethan Small with their first pick, who is a uh, very interesting pitcher who uh, was like low 90s, got to school, was up to 97. Then he blew out. He came back, was 88 to 91, draft eligible last year, didn't sign, and then comes back this year. All of a sudden, the velo is low 90s. Uh, and then with the more arm speed, that changeup that was plus when he wasn't throwing hard, wasn't used very much. The breaking ball didn't get that much better, but it's like a 45. But then the way he pitches with the high vertical slot, uh, sort of the more progressive way of throwing the fastball up in the zone and then using deception and all these different things. And oh, yeah. It really succeeded in the SEC. Uh, so um, I, I think it probably really fits the, the sort of players that uh, Milwaukee takes in terms of uh, being model-friendly with performance and being trackman-friendly with the way that he makes stuff happen. And also he's uh, 22, and so whatever he's going to be, he's going to be there pretty quickly and give him some inventory on the pitching side. On the other end of things, Antoine Kelly was their second-round pick out of JC in Illinois. And he's up to 98. Breaking ball's inconsistent. Sometimes it's below. Sometimes it's above. Uh, some guys say he has a three breaking ball. Some guys say I saw a six. Um, and he just really emerged this year. And just like big, loose, lefty throws hard, flashes a breaking ball, a hard angle. We're going to guess relief, but it's so early. Like it could still go a number of different ways. Um, and then Thomas Dillard, uh, another guy that I'd seen in the fifth round, um, basically like a tree trunk with arms and legs that has like 65 or 70 raw power. But it's like kind of first base only. They hadn't listed as a catcher. He caught some in high school, but didn't really catch that much at Ole Miss. Uh, it's probably more of like a platoon bat with a lot of juice. Um, and then the eighth round, I uh, found interesting David Hamilton out of Texas, a guy that we thought might go second or third round this spring. Torres Achilles missed the whole season, and so presumably they got a deal done with him. Uh, nice upside play there if that can come back. Yep, you and I both liked Hamilton coming out of high school. Um, Gabe Holt, the seventh rounder out of Texas Tech. He can like run and has good feel for contact, but doesn't really turn on ball, so there's not a whole lot of power. And he might not run well enough for center field. And I know like there might be some interest in playing him at second base, where you just make him like a plus uh, defending corner outfielder. But he's pretty interesting. And then Darian Miller, their ninth rounder, catcher from Clovis, California, um, high school kid who I like I have nothing on. It's I. It sounds like he was hurt. Um, but he's like an early AZL target for me just because I have nothing. Uh, the Twins, uh, I think another thing that we identify is the doing things by the model, but again, everyone's got their own flavor of things. Uh, the first pick, Keone Cavaco at 13. It's higher than we thought he would go, I don't know, a month before the draft. Uh, Eric, you saw him in the spring. It's all kinds of tools. I mean, you can project 60 power, 60 run, 60 arm. You're not sure what the position is. You got to change the swing some. He's got no track record of hitting, and so it sounds like they just really liked the upside, the age, and the fact that they thought, probably thought that they can um, kind of dial that swing in to where he's going to be better than some of the other alternatives that were um, a little more polished at that pick. Uh, Matt Walner at the comp pick, 39th overall. Uh, we like it came on late. It sounds like he is a top four to five round guy as a pitcher, but he didn't pitch this year because of a forearm issue. He's got 70 or 80 power. Hit a massive home run last week in the regional at LSU. Uh, has been scorching hot for the last two months. Uh, 
he's another guy with just mess. I mean, he could be a four or five one guy. Everything comes together perfectly, um, but he is, uh, we'll say, inconsistent and has been a bit of a head scratcher over the years. So he's trending up at the right time. Uh, we'll see if the rest of his uh, pro career uh, continues to trend up. Uh, Matt Canarino in the second round. He's a guy similar to Zach Hess that when you have him uh, in relief or in shorter stints or when you get him just right, it's mid-90s with a plus breaking ball. Sometimes it was you know low-90s, touch a four or five as a starter this year. He may be a guy that, similar to how Cleveland would use a Spino, which I think the Twins may consider with Cantorino, if you get him in two to three inning stints, let him blow one time through the order, you might get the stuff that uh, could have had him go in the first round if he had it all year this year. Uh, Spencer Steer, the third rounder, is like a little muscle car shortstop um, at Oregon. He's okay. He and Will Holland both are more like uh, who they got Will Holland out of Auburn in the fifth round, someone who we thought was in like the early second round mix coming into the spring, and then he didn't perform. Um, so both of those guys are interesting, uh, probably headed to advanced rookie ball. Sawyer Gibson, the uh, righty out of Mercer who moved into the rotation late, uh, has been into the mid-90s with a changeup. Um, so he's he's sort of interesting, just someone who performed this year and and moved up. Uh, Casey Legumina from Gonzaga, their eighth rounder. Velocity has been all over the place. Uh, Gonzaga was down here in Arizona to start the season. Legumina got shelled in his opening start, but was like up to ninety eight. So uh, might be something there that the Twins can can fix as they've done with other guys like you know Martin Perez is like the highest profile guy uh, of late. So we'll see what player Deb does there. Uh, the Mets had a very interesting draft. They took a guy we really liked at 12 in Brett Beatty. Uh, the rumors are getting him well below slot, uh, which would be great for them. Uh, Josh, huge. Excuse me? Yeah, I think that's huge. Like, I think that would be a real coup. Yeah, because I, I threw out some numbers on Twitter trying to figure out how they would sign Matt Allen, and I was told that the number may be even lower on Beatty and higher on Wolf. Uh, Wolf in the second round... It's a slight build. It's like 6'2", 170, but I saw him 4-7 to seven with plus life and a plus breaking ball. So, you know, that's a pretty good way to start if you've got a guy with slight build and you're not sure exactly how it's going to be five years from now. In the third round, Matt Allen, who is arguably the best high school pitcher in the draft. I think we thought he was probably second best. On the right day, he'll give you two sevens. There's a 55 changeup in there somewhere. Uh, there's average command in there somewhere. He hasn't shown all th- four of those elements. You usually get two, maybe three of them at a time. Um, but I also think... You know, that, that sort of upside at that sort of age, uh, you know, it seems to be worth the gamble, and that's sort of the frontline guy. And I think also a former agent running the draft, it makes sense that he would do something daring um, that would involve dealing in a high-pressure situation <laughs> with, with the most high-profile agent there is. Uh, so it sounds like if they can get all three of those guys for the prices we think they're going to cost, if they just went like five ten thousand dollars 10000 seniors the rest of the way, they can make it happen. They went seniors the rest of the way. A couple of them pretty interesting. Uh, Eric, you saw Zach Ashford at Fresno State. I saw Luke Ritter at Wichita. I saw Jake Mangum at Mississippi State. Um, they're all kind of interesting. I know Joe Janord at USF is like, you know, he's right, right first baseman with, with numbers that like isn't look quite so pleasing to the eye. But like they pick, I guess because they went senior so early, they get to pick out some of the better ones. Right, yeah, I agree. I think Mangum, I mean, Jake Mangum is the, the all-time SEC hit leader. Uh, he's a senior sign in the fourth round. And both he and Zach Ashford, yeah, are like contact. Ashford can run, play center field, uh, elite makeup, both of them. So, yeah, I think they did. They got like – they skimmed off the top of the seniors while they executed this. I think one of these guys will probably become something. And uh, going back to, I guess, the Dodgers, Marlins, some of the teams that we talked about, like, oh, they like took an approach that like we would do. This would be like the most extreme approach where if I – you know, I saw there was a, a quote from, I believe, Nick Hosteller with the White Sox saying they didn't like the depth behind – 
the first couple rounds, and so they knew they were going to sort of try to roll their money in the first few picks. If I, I think if we identified that we thought the draft was at, which I don't think we really talked about that specifically, uh, I would totally do something like this, which I think we yep. we did it with the Braves at least once. So, uh, yeah, I like being aggressive when you think you need to be aggressive. Uh, what do you got on the Yankees, Eric? Anthony Volpe at pick 30. I get it. Like, I like Volpe. I think he's a plus defensive shortstop with good feel for contact. Uh, the ask there is reportedly like north of three mil. And if you ask me to line up Volpe and Nikki Allen, who got, I want to say one, like 1.2, uh, a couple years ago, like I'm just taking Allen. He's just a better defender. The field for contact was similar. Uh, so, you know, apples to apples there. I think Volpe is pretty expensive. Uh, TJ Sigma, the lefty from Missouri, it sounds like a bunch of teams were on him uh, in this range, like the early second round. Velo is up. It was like a pitchability lefty, and then the Velo uh, was up. So much more interesting there. Josh Smith, their second rounder out of LSU, is he, he dealt with an injury as an underclassman. I believe it was his back. Yep. Um, it's you know a middle infield chance with feel for lift and above average bat speed. Uh, as a lefty bat, so pretty interesting there as well. Uh, and then they took a bunch of college pitching on day two. Yeah, Jacob Sanford, the guy in the third round, was really interesting. He was one of those pop-up guys that I want to say four or six weeks ago we threw him on the board and said, hey, weird story, this guy's Canadian, he was at a Midwest Juco, he goes to Western Kentucky, and I think he had like 24 homers or something, and he actually had like a decent amount of walks. And he's also weirdly has like plus power and is like a plus underway runner, and I'm like, I think I've ever heard a story like this where a guy actually has tools is like under the radar for this long is a super late bloomer, um, and then also like it doesn't sound like he has the instincts for center, but the Yankees have listed him in center. Um, he's an interesting guy that I think fits a lot of what they're doing. When you look at like Josh Bro and some of the guys that are like tools but don't seem com- you know complete. But if you like your player development group, you want to go find tools as opposed to trying to get a completely complete player uh, that's going to have a lower upside. Uh, Jake Agnos, uh, I liked in the fourth round. He'll show you two to five with an above-average breaking ball and strikes out of the pen. It sounds like he also might be able to start. So he gives you an opportunity to do one of those multi-inning creative uh, use cases. And Nick Pechorek from Northwestern, uh, pop-up guy, has some pro bloodlines. Uh, we got put in the bullpen this year and was mid-90s for Northwestern. And Hayden Wisniewski with San Houston State. Uh, I was told this year might be the um, – who was the guy out of Southern – Nick Sandlin, the guy that Cleveland took out of Southern Miss last year that was a, what, sidearm to submarine guy that also started and had a good breaking ball and had insane numbers and we thought we'd get to the big leagues right away and it sounds like he still might. I was told this year if there is a guy like that, it would be Wesneski, who's like a lower slot performance guy, good stuff. Um, not the same, but like in that same general ballpark. All right. Uh, after the Yankees, I have Oakland. Logan Davidson, we ranked 29th, and he was picked 29th. Uh, it's a good-framed shortstop with some power. Uh, I think that was fine. I did not really like Tyler Baum in the second round. Um, I, I just don't think that delivery, and I'm skeptical of the, the uptick in velo uh, being sustainable. I just think he's more of a generic relief arm than anything else. But then I liked a bunch of the high scores they took on day two. Marcus Smith in the third round is a plus runner with a plus arm, has some slasher, like catalytic offensive traits. I really liked him at area codes. Um, Kyle McCann in the fourth round is another like lefty power bat who probably can't catch. Uh, but I thought that was fine. Like We had him ranked, I think, in that area, maybe a little ahead of that. 
and then uh, the other high scores they took Jalen Greer, fifth rounder uh, from an Illinois high school. He's you know six three one eighty five, really good frame. Uh, and everything tools wise is like a 40, 45, but depending on how the frame develops, could be a bunch of like 50s, 55s, and a middle infield fit. That would be pretty interesting. Uh, and then the last uh, prep guy they took was Jose Dicochia from Sauharita High School down in Tucson. This guy's velo is up late. It's like quick arm, 6'3, 180, and he was like touch 95 in the uh, state playoffs here in Arizona. So potentially like a late riser who they found in the eighth round. Uh, they did a good job uh, assessing signability. He'll be an interesting like AZL sleeper. And also Drew Milas, the uh, catcher out of Missouri State. Uh, we love the swing. I talked to a swing guy who specifically said, "Hey, what do you got on Drew Milas?" I was like, uh, "I know we like the swing." He's like, "Yeah, I like the swing too." And I was like, "Yeah, his, oh, number, yeah. his numbers are not great. Like I'm, I, I haven't seen him, so I'm kind of wondering why the numbers aren't great. But it sounds like he can catch. He's a decent athlete. He's got big power. He can throw, uh, and he just doesn't have numbers. So maybe he's a guy that never hits, and everyone just says how great his swing is and how great his BP is. But when you're a catcher, you can actually make the big leagues doing that. So, so he seems like a good find in seventh round. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, some of the yeah, he had a good sophomore year and then just didn't hit as a junior. And um, but yeah, I think the physical tools are interesting. Uh, Philly, who only picked 14, and then their next selection was all the way down at 91. And yet, I still how believe like I still somehow believe that they like crushed it. Yeah, uh, I think similar to Boston, they did a good job with limited picks. Yeah, uh, Bryson Stott at 14, I just think is good value. Even if you, I agree that the swing is sort of problematic. Uh, that he might be vulnerable to velocity up or velocity in or both. Uh, but at the same time, it's a lefty hitting shortstop with power. Uh, this guy plays shortstop nowadays. Like, it's not sexy, but he gets the job done. And there are worse uh, defenders at shortstop in the big leagues right now. Um, then the other guys that uh, I liked particularly were uh, Eric Miller in the fourth round. His velocity was down late in the year. Uh, but last year on the Cape, he was into the mid-90s with no command. Then uh, his first start of the year I saw, he was like into the mid-90s with command, like reaching back for 94-95 late in start, dominant changeup, slider usage was good. Uh, then I saw him late and he was 88-92 but could still really pitch. So I like him. Gunnar Mayer uh, is a young, it doesn't turn 19 until uh, late July, junior college righty who sounds like the Phillies got on late. It's, it's got to be the same group who got on like Spencer Howard late after he was moved out of the bullpen and into the Cal Poly rotation. Stayed on him as his stuff started to blossom. Sounds like Gunnar Mayer is the same type of thing. Uh, and then they took Nate Fosnott in the eighth round, who's a shortstop out of George Washington University, who his last name uh, means donut in German. Like we have Fosnott Day, like it's a Pennsylvania Dutch thing. And like this guy is from that part of Pennsylvania. So I just find that charming. You, you know he's got a hit if he's named after the thing you stick on the bat. Right. Um, two power arms in the 6th and 7th, Andrew Schultz up to 101 with a – went from having a, the longest arm action to maybe the shortest arm action and went from sitting in the mid-90s to like sitting in the upper 90s and hitting 100. Doesn't really have anything else. Doesn't really have a ton of command. It's like an average breaking ball every now and then. But, you know, 101 plays and he's 6'4". He's a big, strong guy. Uh, Schultz from Minnesota is up into the mid-90s as well. Uh, without quite as much going on. Uh, and then Jamari Baylor in the third round, we had heard some late buzz. He might go as high as the second. Some guys thought he might be a more compact version of Tim Anderson. Um, some others didn't see quite so much potential. So, uh, so, you know, a bit of a boomer bust shortstop. But I think they had a nice mix here of sort of upside college, high school, 
hitter pitcher. Um, like we said, we like we like what the Phillies did here. Yep. Uh, in the ninth round, they took Rudy Rott, who is a punk rock drummer. Rudy Rott. <laughs> he, he de- yeah, he, he definitely was. I'm trying to pull a name of like a British punk band from this, the 70s, but I'm, I'm not coming up with one. You're still in your own. <laughs> Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, took Quinn Priester with the first pick. Uh, for us, it's the best high school pitcher in the draft. Uh, it's got some shades of an Ian Anderson. I don't think quite as advanced, uh, but a little bigger and, and uh, more projectable. So we're in. It was their kind of guy. He was mocked to them a lot. Makes sense. Um, second pick, they took Sammy Siani, the younger brother of Mike Siani. It sounds like we think he's not quite as good, but is a similar player. Uh, Matt Gorski, a sort of uh, big, long power type. At Indiana, had just an okay spring in the second round. Jared Triolo in the comp round, a third baseman out of Texas, or at Houston, sorry. I guess that's in Texas. Um, I saw him late in the American Athletic uh, Conference tournament, and it was above the plus defender, above the plus arm, hit a home run, had some field to hit, but it looks like it might be fringe bat, fringe power, but then you sort of rely on the defense. I said it might be sort of like, uh, you know, Pedro Feliz, you know, poor man sort of defense over offense, third baseman. Um, and then J.C. Flowers was like an interesting pop-up guy that was two-way guy out of high school, was mostly a hitter his first two, I guess, into his third year at Florida State, and then they put him on the mound in the bullpen. He was up to 97, uh, and so now it looks like, and I know you preferred him as a pitcher out of high school, now he's finally gone full-time to pitching and pretty quickly went in the fourth round with like almost no track record of pitching. Um, so yeah. there he is. Um, you've got, uh, let's see, Matt. Yeah, Siani, I agree with you. I think there's more playable power than his brother had, but the approach is an issue, and if he can't stay, it's very aggressive. When I saw Siani, it was like six at-bats, or no, excuse me, uh, five at-bats, six six or seven pitches uh, that he saw. Um, Matt Frazier in the third round, uh, center fielder out of uh, Arizona, was hurt for most of this year. This is the high end of where the area guys had him. Uh, there was some discussion that U of A was trying to get him a medical red shirt, court him back to school, but seems like he's signable here in the third round. Uh, limited track record, but third round tools. They did this with another U of A outfielder a couple years ago, Jared Oliva, another like center field fit who just had a limited track record who's panning out uh, so far. And then, yeah, Flowers is one of two two-way types they took. Uh, Will Matheson, who they listed as a pitcher from Stanford, uh, also did a lot of DHing, has some power. And then Blake Sable, the seventh rounder out of USC, uh, caught some as a high schooler, was like a famous SoCal high schooler who was just okay in college. Austin Roberts, the eighth rounder out of Sac State, uh, pitched a lot uh, during the WAC tournament. He's like 90-93 with uh, an average changeup. Um, so he's kind of interesting. And then Ethan Paul, the Vanderbilt shortstop, is like a multi-year college performer. Uh, who's played the middle infield, like, he's okay. Um, he, both he and uh, Connor Kaiser are in the Pirate system now. So, interesting there. Oh, we went over time. I forgot to hit the bell. Uh, San Diego, C.J. Abrams is the first pick. Long tied to uh, the Padres. Uh, I remember when I uh, when I was watching Abrams and noticed that he had uh, both projects for 60 power and is an eighty runner. I pulled it up on the board and found the only guy that had tools of that caliber that's currently on the board, so probably in all the minor leagues, if I had to guess, was Jordan Adams, uh, who is notable because he's an insane athlete. And C.J. Abrams like can play all the up-the-middle positions as a left-hand hitter and has a track record of hitting. So like you could argue he is almost unprecedented as a prospect, having that kind of tools and track record. Um, so seems like a pretty good pick at that level. Um, Logan Driscoll was a pop-up guy at George Mason. 
He's pretty good on the cape, or maybe not pop-up guy, but small school guy that's kind of stuck up on some people. He's got a chance to stick behind the plate above average arm, average to above power, uh, swings real hard. Uh, another one of those guys where if you squint, you could see everyday catcher that has average offense, given it's a catcher, probably a little bit less, but there's some elements there, left-hand hitter. Um, and Hudson Head, we had heard that they were uh, tied to late, um, sort of a pop-up guy in the San Antonio area, plus runner, was hitting a bunch of home runs, had pretty good bat speed, another guy that has a chance to kind of sneak up on you and be a low-end everyday guy. And they took three uh, college pitchers, uh, Lincoln as a reliever out of UC Santa Barbara, that like the Vila never came all the way from what we thought it would be in high school, but looks like he'd be a solid reliever. Matt Brash, a Canadian at Niagara, that emerged this spring, and Drake Fellows, like a long-time performer that probably fits in that like two- to four-inning kind of uh, stint. There was a lot of sliders uh, that was at Vanderbilt pitching as their Friday guy. Yeah, then the the surprise pick for us was Josh Mears in the second round. Uh, he's a big 6'3", like 240 uh, power-hitting corner outfield high schooler from uh, the Seattle area. He was uncommitted last summer at Area Codes and then went off, committed to Purdue, uh, I texted around, and other teams had him in the second round. So we had him probably, like, what, like 150, 180, somewhere in there. Like, he was in the 35 pluses. Um, so it just sounds like that we were a little bit light on Mears, at least as far as some kids were concerned, or teams were concerned. Uh, and then Drake Fellows, the Vanderbilt righty in the sixth round. Good stuff. Like, I've seen three above-average pitches. Uh, but very inconsistent. Scares me, but I think the stuff is, a, is good value in the sixth round. Moving on to the Giants, uh, Hunter Bishop with the first pick. Obviously, you saw a ton of him. It's a uh, plus pure run tool, plus the plus plus power, tons of performance. Might need a little bit of a swing adjustment, but has a chance to really be a guy for them. Uh, Logan White in the second round, we weren't nuts about. Swing is not great. Uh, it's just okay for space. Uh, really good approach. Uh, 50, maybe 55 raw power. Uh, good early in the spring, kind of tailed off a little bit. Uh, not exactly our kind of guy, but you know he's going to go somewhere in this range. Um, yeah. Grant McCray in the third round uh, has some pro bloodlines. Is a runner uh, that can play defense, good makeup, a little bit of pop, just sort of waiting for the bat to come around all the way. Um, Tyler Fitzgerald in the fourth, a guy that a lot of people three years ago thought was going to go to Louisville and go in the first round, and just never quite came together. He's generally in that like great Kessinger area where it's you know a big athletic guy can play shortstop, kind of performed in a superficial way in a big conference, but never quite did what he was necessarily capable of or what his upside was. But he still has those tools, and now there's a bunch of teams think they can fix these swings. And so they're pretty aggressively taking these guys that have, like, the up-the-middle and the power and a little bit of performance, and they think they can squeeze a little bit more out of it. So getting him in the fourth round, we thought he might go as you know as, as early as the late second, early third. So getting him there is a nice, um, nice fit. And then Dylan Rosario in the sixth round, high school kid out of Puerto Rico, was all over the showcase circuit. Didn't have a great spring, but he's uh, young for the class and has tools to possibly be a low-end everyday guy if it comes together. I wonder if they send him to the DSL for the summer because of how young he is and how raw he is. Like, I like the pick, um, but I, I wonder if that's AZL or DSL. Like, the, the there's less of a cultural adjustment if you think skills-wise that he's a better fit uh, down in the DSL, then, then I wouldn't be shocked. But it, it's very rare for domestic draftees to get sent down there. I think this is a situation where we might see it. Garrett Frechette, who they took in the fifth round, had huge power last summer and then got mono and had, like, no power this spring. So um, an interesting buy low, uh, potentially there at five, but also might be nothing because we just don't know. I mean, I had, I had mono in it, like, in college – 
Um, like I still like I cannot get back to that weight, like that amount of muscle mass and strength. Like I just can't get back there. Um, so if that's the case for this kid, then it's going to be a problem. But it's I thought it was an interesting pick. So the ninth round pick is named Sam Whiteman, and he went to Yale. Have you ever seen any white man at Yale? <laughs> Uh, all over the place. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, next team, we got the Mariners. What do you got on them? Yeah, Mariners uh, did college pitching uh, almost exclusively. Uh, uh, what was it like? All of day one, really. Uh, George Kirby only walked six guys all year. He was their first round pick. Uh, stuff is closer to average, maybe a little bit above. Um, but, uh, but I liked Kirby there. I thought he was, he was the back of the first round on talent and, uh, you know, Logan Gilbert's throwing harder this spring than he was, uh, last year. So maybe we'll see something similar here with Kirby. Brandon Williamson in the second round lefty at a TCU was an unsignable junior college guy last year. It's four pitches can really pitch. Doesn't hold his stuff, uh, deep into games might be more of like a once through the lineup type reliever. Now, Isaiah Campbell's had some medical stuff. He was their their uh, comp rounder uh, between the second and third round out of Arkansas. Did not sign uh, after being drafted by the Angels last year. Uh, it's it's a pitchability college righty from the SEC. And then Levi Stout, the Lehigh righty in the third round, low nineties. We'll show you a plus changeup, but his feel for it is not very good. Like he throws a lot of non-competitive changeups every once in once in a while. One of them will be really good. Uh, fringy breaking ball, uh, and then in the eighth round they took Ty Adcock, their second their second guy out of Elon, uh, who can throw really hard. Yep, I saw him ninety four ninety seven four pitches. They were all average or better, which is kind of unusual for a hard throwing reliever. Um, he's also DHs and like has some juice. He's a pretty decent athlete. Um, yeah, I think he's an interesting guy that I thought would go a little bit higher than that. Limoncelli in the sixth round. Was a guy some people thought would be a pop-up guy if they were trying to guess who it would be based on your know, arm action body things like that. Came out not throwing as hard, ended up blowing out. Uh, so they'll probably just buy him to take, get the rehab there instead of going to Coastal Carolina. Austin Shenton in the fifth round was really good on the Cape. Had a terrible spring on a number of fronts, personal and um, professionally. Uh, but I think a lot of people thought he'd be a nice buy-low candidate since he looked like he might go in the comp round off the Cape. Which of these guys gets traded within a year? <laughs> One of them's going to get traded. I, think, I, mean, I, could see, I could see Levi Stout showing some progress in Pro Bowl and then being a guy people ask for in a trade. Yep. Uh, next thing we got is St. Louis. Their first pick was Zach Thompson, who is, I don't know, I think is pretty generally like their kind of guy. Big, big breaking ball, good off speed. Sometimes throw hard, sometimes doesn't. But he sort of has command, bulldog, uh, perform, lefty. Um, their second round pick, Trey Fletcher, is, is not their type, uh, which is about, I don't know, would you say it's the riskiest pick in the draft up this high? Uh, yes. Because we just have no idea. I mean, he's, he's been to enough showcases. He's actually at East Coast Pro this year as an underclassman, which doesn't usually happen. Uh, so maybe there's some inkling he would consider reclassifying. Um, but, I mean, I would say 55 or 60 on the raw power, the speed, the arm, probably the defense also. And then he has, like, sort of the bat control, or so he has the bat speed, but I'm not sure if, like, the quality of the AB facing a lot of pitching, if the bat control is necessarily there. Um, but obviously we've seen plenty of examples of guys with huge tools that are, you know, a four bat that could still be an everyday guy. And he's still young enough that he could still be sort of, um, physically developing, uh, Tony Losey in the third, um, this guy that didn't seem like he was going to get paid, but threw hard out of high school, uh, just okay at Georgia. And then this year emerged and was 
pretty good. I ended up running into a couple times. Uh, three to five, touches seven. Average breaking ball, throws strikes, goes deep into games, competes. Um, again, sort of fits the uh, the mold that I think St. Louis typically picks from. Uh, Connor Thomas in the fifth round of Georgia Tech, another guy that I saw a lot. He's like 85, 88, touching 89. I'm not sure I've ever seen him touch 90. But it's like plus command, above average breaker, above average change, insane numbers, good athlete, really competes. I don't know if there's a guy like him in the big leagues right now, but like I don't really want to bet on him not getting people out because he just seems to keep doing that. And uh, senior sign the sixth round, Pedro Pages. Um, stout guy, basically looks like Henry Blanco before he retired and also catches and throws like uh, probably Henry Blanco did during his prime. Uh, not so much on the stick, but like he's competent up there. So he's probably like the best version of the senior sign catcher. All right, let's move on to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay took Greg Jones at 22, draft eligible sophomore from UNC Wilmington. Uh, was really identified as a first round talent last year as a freshman. Uh, there was like coming out of high school, he was just too raw. Like he was old for the class. That's why he's a draft eligible sophomore, uh, and was just too raw for teams to to sort of buy him out of college. Uh, he had a really huge statistical year uh, as a sophomore. Forty, he stole forty bags. Uh, he's got power. Swing and field to hit is still a little bit undercooked. Uh, but he got better defensively at shortstop, and if he can't play there, then center field, like he has the speed to be not just fine there, but like be really good. Uh, so good pick at 22 with Greg Jones. J.J. Goss in the comp round, high school righty from Texas. Uh, arm strength, breaking ball, athleticism, weird sort of delivery. Uh, Seth Johnson, you you can speak more to Seth, to Seth Johnson than I'll be able to, so I'll save that for you. Graham Stinson in the fourth round, lefty out of Duke. Uh, we had him in the, like, the first round uh, coming into the spring. Then he got hurt. Stuff was way, way down. Uh, they did a version of this last year with Shane McClanahan where uh, he fell into the comp round and they took him. Stinson's uh, injury issues we're not really sure about, though. Um, and then, like, uh, Jake Gunther, seventh round, senior, first base at TCU, lefty bat with power. Uh, John Doxakis in the second round, uh, lefty. He's a lefty pitcher who switch hits. Uh, good secondary stuff. It's it's like what you mentioned. Uh, velocity is pretty fringy, but the breaking ball is good. Changeup is good. He's performed in a big conference. Like, second round, that seems okay. Uh, yeah, Seth Johnson, conversion guy. He transferred from a North Carolina JC as a hitter. He started pitching some at Campbell, and before he even pitched in a game at Campbell in like uh, uh, practices and stuff in the fall and then preseason, he was up to 98, flashing four above average to plus pitches. And he basically did that the whole spring. Sometimes he was a little down. He was still touching 98 late, though. I saw him flashing some 55s and 60s. The fastball doesn't really play well in the zone. Guys are taking comfortable swings. He's still sort of new to pitching, so you'll see some... You know, some reactions will be a little on the green side. Uh, but he's young for the class. He's athletic, and he throws hard, and he knows how to, like, sort of spin and manipulate the ball. So there's, like, a lot to work with here. Um, Stinson, we had heard that it's, like, some version of, like, a, like a nerve issue that's going to be non-surgical. I had some scouts tell me they saw him playing football in the outfield a couple weeks ago. So, like, it's not like he's going to go under the knife to fix this thing, which makes me wonder, are they actually going to fix this thing? Because he was 4-7 to seven with a 7 slider with a 3,000 RPM spin rate at his best, and that's what guys are kind of betting is going to come back, but, you know, sometimes that stuff never comes back. Um, ben Brecht, uh, like a 87 to 93, depending on the day, giant lefty, pitchability guy out of UC Santa Barbara in the fifth round. Colby White, uh, late velo pop, was like four to seven, touching a nine, 
but it's uh, not a big guy, and it's sort of a reliever arm action on Mississippi State in the sixth. And then Evan McKendry in the ninth is really interesting. Uh, he's got a hip issue, and his velo was way down into the 80s during the spring. Last spring, he was 1-5 to five with a plus changeup, maybe a 70 changeup, and plus command, and looked like he might be like a Kyle Hendricks-type guy with just insane feel for a great pitch and was also you know throwing an average to above fastball. And then this year, it's like now it's maybe a three or four fastball, and you got a medical issue. So I think they're just taking a flyer on the ninth to see if they can put it back together. Their third rounder, Shane Sasaki, I don't have anything on. I've heard he's a multi-positional guy that can hit and runs a little bit. There you go. Uh, what do you got Te- on Texas? Texas took Josh Young uh, in the first round. I don't know if that's underslot or not based on the rest of the behavior. I would say it's probably not. That's a Boris advisee. It seems like he had a home relatively soon after eight. Like 13 seemed on him, uh, 15 seemed on him. Um, so I don't know if there's a haircut there. Davis Wend- Wenzel, the third baseman at Baylor, is like uh, right, right power, arm strength, performed in a big conference. Ryan Garcia, the righty at UCLA. I think he's okay. The fastball plays above its velocity. It's got good angle. It's got good life in the zone. He can compete in there with it a little bit. And then he does the thing that like most UCLA starters do. He pitches really heavily off of the secondary stuff. He's got two different breaking balls. They have good uh, like uh, shape differentiation between the two of those. Changeup is fair. He probably should use it more often. Justin Slayton in the third round. Uh, weird delivery. Had a bad sophomore year. But was stuff was back up as a junior, like 90-94 above average slider, relief chance there. Uh, and then Cody Freeman, the Etowanda High School shortstop who they took in the fourth round, I believe is Tyler Freeman's brother, uh, like, you know, sh- uh, polished middle infielder with contact skills, uh, who is like about average age for high school in, the, in this class. I'm not sure. Uh, if that's overslot or not, I think he's a UCLA guy, but I'm not certain. I believe he is Baylor, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is weird for Southern California. Um, yeah. Speaking of Baylor, they took uh, Cody Bradford, lefty, in the sixth round. Uh, I saw him a little bit over the summer on Team USA. Uh, big guy, pitchability, three average pitches. Might show you a little better every now and then. Uh, had thoracic outlook syndrome and knocked him out for the whole season. So that guy probably would have gone, I don't know, probably third round if nothing had happened. Uh, so another nice situation to buy low, like on David Hamilton. If everything can come back, then you got a nice player. Seventh round, Brandon Sprout, which it sounds like will be over slot. I had heard that he might have a asking price near a million dollars, so he's committed to Florida. Uh, kid up in the panhandle, um, big, strong kid, good arm action. Was th- had sort of average to fringe stuff, and then as the spring went on, getting reports that he was one to five, breaking ball was flashing above. Um, just sort of your prototypical like big strong kid that the velo comes. It's like probably like a fourth starter, maybe middle reliever, like probably not like a huge impact guy, but he just has all the elements that every now and then this just sort of blows up and turns into a big time guy, and he's sort of headed in the right direction. Uh, Eric, what do you got on Toronto? Alec Manoa at eleven, we th- I think is just good value. It's a power college arm, velo slider. It's not all that different than Nate Pearson was uh, not long ago. Kendall Williams in the second round. The delivery is pretty violent, but 6'6", good frame, arm strength, vertical action on the breaking ball. I think the stuff is really good, uh, so I understand that pick. Third round, Desan Brown. I do like uh, one of the faster players in the draft, one of the younger players in the draft. 
Uh, field to hit started coming a little bit this spring uh, as he faced better competition. Uh, Will Robertson in the fourth round is sort of like Griffin Conine last year. Corner outfield profile with power. Uh, lefty bat. Tanner Morris in the fifth round. Played shortstop at UVA. Uh, above average bat speed. Uh, not a shortstop in pro ball. Might have to move to left field. So going to have to hit a lot. But I've, really, I've been on his bat since high school. So feel like pretty good about him. Maybe carving out like a platoon role or something. Uh, we'll see where he's capable of playing. Uh, look to Kevin Biggio for like a template of what they might try to do with Morris defensively. Cameron Eden in the sixth round. Uh, shortstop with some speed, a little bit of pop. Didn't really perform. Uh, feel for contact is not great. And I'm curious if you think they can sign Philip Clark in the ninth round. Vanderbilt's catcher who's a draft-eligible sophomore. Yeah, I'd have uh, to think that they think they will. The rumor uh, I was hearing a lot this spring when I would ask people about Philip Clark is that he turned down like well into a million dollars, like I think closer to two million dollars out of high school, and just didn't quite develop uh, at Vanderbilt defensively the way that I think some people hoped. Um, and you know, it's probably like a five bat with like five power and a little over aggressive at times, but like you know, professional left hand hitter that was at Vanderbilt and uh, you know did pretty well on the big stage, but. Like, you know, some guys are just like, yeah, if you pay, like, close attention to this guy, like, he'll just, like, you know, drop some balls. Like, I don't think you're really sticking back there. That's better than Kyle McCann. Like, you can stick him back there and, like, see what happens. If I'm not mistaken, I think Toronto was a team on him out of high school. And I think it might be, like, a similar similar group of scouts since then. So, I, I guess they got a sense. Uh, I would have guessed that he wouldn't be signable here for what I think they have available. But uh, maybe he just wanted to go pro and they worked something out. I'd have to imagine they took him the ninth round. They think they could sign him. Washington is last... Jackson Rutledge fell to them at 17. It is, you know, totally Washington's MO to take the falling power arm who maybe has some medical questions. Uh, so no surprise there. Drew Mendoza in the third round. Uh, hey, it's, you know, it's a Boris client who fell. Power, great frame, may not stay at third base. Like we, I've been mentioning Drew Ward a lot here. I think that that's a pretty sound comparison. Matt Cronin in the fourth round is a power bullpen lefty arm from Arkansas. Tyler Dyson in round five was a guy who was sort of on the periphery of round one coming into the year, just on spec really, like as an underclass showed first round quality stuff, and then it just kind of went away. Uh, Jackson Clough in the sixth round is a 22-year-old draft-eligible sophomore uh, who's like, you know, middle infield fit with some feel it sounds like it's probably a heavy discount just because of his age even though he's a sophomore it's a more of a mission guy um and then jeremy widens at ucla is like an outfielder with uh you know 40 45s he's he's okay it's probably org depth uh in the eighth round is what you should expect todd peterson the seventh uh good high school pitcher was on the showcase circuit looked like he might be able to be like a Second round starter that flashes in 55s here and there. Big, strong kid. Ends up not signing, going to LSU. Uh, ends up shining in the bullpen. Has been up to 97 to 99, depending on which guy you're asking at times. We'll sit 2 to 6. Uh, we'll splash you that 55 breaking ball. Uh, he's 6'5", 230. Um, so there's a chance somebody tries to move him back into a starting rotation and see if it'll work. I would imagine he probably is, is pitching in relief for a reason. Like People kind of tried the starting thing earlier. Um, but this sort of fits Washington's MO, which is to take Boris guys, to take power arms, to take guys coming off of injuries, guys that are falling, 
and sort of bigger conference guys. And also Tyler Dyson, uh, we had some reports that at his best, he was like three to five touch seven, above average to plus secondary stuff, average command. This spring he wasn't even close to that. Uh, the, the velo was fine, but like the command wasn't there, the consistency wasn't there. And then late, the velo was you know three to six again, and guys thought it was looking a little bit crisper. He's just had a roller coaster. He's gone from first rounder for sure to I'm not sure if we want him to is he hurt to does he have the yips to is he banged up where'd the command go like he's just been all over the place and he was trending up the last couple weeks before the draft somewhere to Drew Parrish at Florida State somewhere to Tyler Baum at UNC we'll see if that actually ends up you know being the beginning of something moving that direction obviously for all these kids we hope things go well we're just trying to be uh, as honest as we can and also tell you like what the discussion is like in these rooms because in a lot of cases you know it ends up getting too negative talking about all the things they can't do, and then somebody has to step in to be like, all right, let's talk about what these guys can do. And in this case, Tyler Dyson sometimes looks like a first-round pick, and maybe that will happen again. Do you think anyone has any money left for day three that can do something interesting in round 11, or do you think the types of high scores we'll see come off the board are mostly like between two and 400K signs? That's what I was going to say. I'm sure any team could have three or 400K laying around that we weren't able to account for, which means they could right. go up to you know 550 or 600. I don't think anyone seemed obvious that they have the money to go give somebody a million dollars. So that's uh, part of the reason why we went and updated the board. I don't think it's been pushed to the website yet of like taking everybody that hasn't been, that's a high school kid that hasn't been drafted yet and just assuming they're all going to go to school. Because I'm sure those going to be two or three that sign, wh- whether because their price was 300k and we didn't realize it, or because somebody has 800k and they just kind of like snuck under the radar. Uh, I also have a lot of agents asking, like, hey, who has money? And the teams don't really want to tell you what everyone's signing for because they don't want the agents knowing if they have money. Um, so this is like a little bit of uh, gamesmanship on both sides here uh, because if you know this team has this much money, it's much easier to negotiate. And if you don't think they have it uh, or if you think you're lying to you, like, you know, the negotiation goes a little bit differently. Uh, so the high-profile high score is just to wrap um, that we don't think we'll sign our uh, Maurice Hampton – Jack Leiter, Hunter Barco. Barco Instagrammed himself in like Florida stuff and said, I'm going to school. Uh, Brooks Lee, the SoCal shortstop, he's going to Cal Poly where his dad coaches. Sounds like there might have been a medical thing there too. Uh, Jerry and Ely, the outfielder from Mississippi, is going to go play football at Ole Miss. Uh, Spencer Jones, the two-way guy from the San Diego area. Another Vanderbilt commit who got hurt this year. I think Ely's going to play baseball and football, by the way. Uh, yes. Um, Will Rigney, Texas righty, also hurt this year. He was a guy who I thought had a chance to really break out, but he was hurt. Yep. Uh, Riley Cornelio, the Colorado high school pitcher, going to TCU. That commitment was very strong. Um, it's, you know, low to mid-90s with a slider, violent delivery. Uh, Brett Thomas, um, that's a South Carolina commit righty. Uh, sounds like he was always going to go to school. Chris Newell, the Malvern prep uh, outfielder, big power, big arm strength, raw hit tool. He's going to – what school is he going to? Is he Clemson? No, that's uh, – he's UVA. The other kid, uh, Lonnie White Jr. on Malvern prep is an uh, underclassman who's going to Clemson. Uh, Newell's going to UVA. So that's a bat that's matriculating to UVA. I don't know. Um, Carter Binns. The catcher at Fresno State, who's like an athletic catch and throw guy with power, uh, I don't, you know, I think it's going to be below average hit tool, but he's like the first college guy on the board who I'm like, huh, I wonder why this guy's not gone. Yeah, well, usually when I didn't want to say anything specifically about anybody, but when you see like a college guy that should go, you know, if we're way off the fifth round, um, you would assume 
because you know when you're a junior, you're not going to have like a crazy ask. You would assume it's either a deal got set up or there's some medical thing we don't know about, which oftentimes the medical thing ends up being nothing. It's just all the teams got spooked out by something, and the next year, like Isaiah Campbell, everybody's spooked by the medical, and then he was really good this year, and now nobody cares about the medical. So it's not always predictive, although I would say oftentimes it is. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, we kept, we can, kept it under 90 minutes, so I, I am eager to end this thing. Uh, you can email us at prospects at fangraphs.com. Uh, you can follow the prospect account on Twitter, FG underscore prospects, and go to fangraphs.com slash prospects for just everything, all of our draft coverage, any prospect-related thing uh, is on that page. And also, I think people are going to ask us, uh, A, to grade drafts, we're not going to do that. Uh, B, to say what our favorite drafts are, which I think was pretty obvious from how we were talking about it, which ones were our favorites, but I'm too tired to go back and mark all the ones that we said we liked. So you just write down the ones that we said we liked, and there's probably four or five that we said, like, oh, we like this one. So there's your answer. For Eric Longenhagen, I'm Kylie McDaniel. Thank you for listening to this supersized post-draft review edition of the Untitled McDaniel Hagen Project. We'll see you again next week. I-